Tony Pike waits for the snap, has the football, short drop, bobs one down the sideline for Bins. he's got it, touchdown, touchdown! Jaron dribbles into the front court, drives to the bucket, his shot, no good, put back up and in by Trayvon Scott, Cincinnati by one. Down in seven for the Red Hawks with a three-point lead. Game on the line on this play. Ragland waits for the shotgun snap, extends the hands, catches the ball. He's looking to throw from the one. His pass. Intercepted. Yeah. Yeah. to the yeah. end zone. Touchdown. Bearcats. Yeah. Shot it. He's picked it off. And Cincinnati has the lead. With one seven to go. Left. Copain driving to the bucket. Bank shot around the rim. It's good. It's good. It counts. It's good. And we're going to overtime. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of the Go Bearcats podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. This is episode 38, 13 and 0. A little later on, I will be joined by the Athletics' very own Chris Vanini. He is a national writer for The Athletic with a, a focus of the, the group of five teams. He's been covering the Bearcats uh, for The Athletic out of Dallas for, for a while now. Uh, I have a nice chat with him about his, his, his articles that he's written about the, the Bearcats football team this season. We talk about his time that he's spent at Nipper Stadium. He was on hand for the, the, the American Athletic Championship game this past Saturday where the Bearcats defeated the Houston Cougars, 35-20. to 20. We talk about that, uh, talk about his favorite Skyline order or Gold Star order. He doesn't know. It's okay. Uh, and his thoughts on the matchup between Alabama and, the, and Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, really great interview. Certainly appreciate him coming on. We'll bring that on first. Uh, of course, before we do that, Beer of the Podcast, Brink Brewing, their nightcap holiday ale. It's 6%. Drinks like a porter and uh, kind of roasty, but with a light cinnamon and some spice notes there. Uh, I can definitely see how they're going with the uh, the holiday ale there. Not bad. Pretty good. Well, I'll be sipping on that throughout the interview as I talk to Chris on all things that uh, – that he's written and his impression of, of Nipper and Cincinnati uh, during his time here. So let's jump into the the interview first about the, the football Bearcats. I'll come back on after with some, my thoughts on the game and, and everything that it means. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Crosstown shootout. Uh, if you're listening to this before Saturday the 11th, you know it is a citywide holiday in the Queen City. We'll talk about that as well. First up here, let's bring on Chris Vanini from The Athletic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have The Athletic's very own Chris Vanini here with us for a very special interview. First time guest on the podcast. Hopefully this won't be his last appearance. Uh, He's been busy uh, writing for The Athletic, maybe five, six, maybe more articles that uh, he's at least mentioned the Bearcats. So I thought we should have him on here. He was in the house uh, in Nipper Stadium for the American Athletic Conference Championship. I want to get his take on that as well. Uh, so welcome in, Chris. How's it going, sir? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So let's, let's just jump into it uh, here. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember which article exactly caught my eye that you, that you wrote uh, 
throughout the season as the Bearcats finish at 13 and 0. But I would have to say my favorite one is the one that you that you wrote where you were uh, giving the inside perspective from SMU, and I thought you did a, a great job of. Uh, voicing their concerns uh they being the smu coaching staff uh they you voice their concerns and then you in the in the same breath show us how those concerns blew up in their face as they uh went against the bearcats so can you talk to us a little bit more about that article and, and even maybe some other ones that you've written uh that are cincinnati focused this season yeah i live in dallas so smu is pretty close to me and, and i know those guys well I guess they're not there anymore but but that staff pretty well and I asked if I could spend the week just sitting in on meetings to see what it's like to uh, prepare and play Cincinnati and they were totally fine with it so I, I got to sit in on the meetings see what they were concerned about see what they wanted to do and then I knew I was already going to be in Indianapolis that weekend so I just drove over to Cincinnati to continue to spend time with them for the game and obviously it became a blowout and I was concerned because I was like, well, this is going to be a pretty hard story to write uh, considering everything, you know, was, was a mess. But then I went back and through and looked at my notes from the week and pretty much everything they emphasized, you know, that would be a big deal during the game happened and went wrong. So they were, you know, SMU was really concerned about Cincinnati blocking a punt. Cincinnati blocks a punt. They were really concerned about, uh, deep balls against the safeties. First offensive play of the game was a deep ball against the safety. So it ended up actually being pretty interesting because uh, you know you could see you could see what an opponent thinks Cincinnati likes to do, but also how good they are at doing it. And, and sometimes you can have the best game plan in the world, uh, and it just isn't enough because you got to execute. And and that was the difference in the game. So that was re- definitely a really fun story to write. And then, uh, so you were, like I, I said in the intro here, you were on hand uh, for the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Was that your first time in Nipper, or had you been there previously? It was my third time all this season. I went, I went to the UCF oh, wow. game. I went to the UCF game. I went to the uh, – because Justin Williams was out, so we needed someone to cover that game. I went to the SMU game, obviously, and then I, and then the – the championship game with uh, with Houston. So actually, three times in one year, and I had not been before then. Are you in the in the press box for all of those, or are you on the, are you a sideline guy? Yeah, press box. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time on the field for SMU, but other than that, just up in the press box. So can you kind of uh, from what you what you've seen, you probably had a pretty good view of everything that was that was happening uh, in that press box so can you kind of uh give us your take on what the atmosphere was like for that i mean i don't know if you spent any what you did you know uh pre-game if you were major way around campus at all but what sort of you know vibes were you getting during that championship game oh man it, it, i mean it was obviously at a different level than the first two times i had been there and it was um just really loud I, I mean, I know it's only 37,000 or so, but I stayed on the field for that first drive, um, first Houston drive, and did the kickoff. And when they got the sack, uh, you know, to end the drive uh, at, at the end, place got really, really loud. I walked around a bit of around campus um, the first time I made my way up there. It's such a cool stadium and kind of where it sits. And I love that. I love the unique design of it. It's just every, every 
corner, every end zone is, is, is a bit different than what you normally see somewhere else. But I love that there are like no barriers to get into it, that anybody can just walk in and walk down to the field at, at any time. I know a lot of people do it after the game, but on any random day, you can do that. That's, that's a really cool thing. So stadium's really cool. And then when they got the final stop uh, to, to essentially win, um, that that was that was the loudest I, I'd heard a place in, in quite a long time and like legitimately hurt my ears. Uh, so Nippert is definitely a very cool place to watch a game. Was there uh, I know the the article that you wrote or maybe it came out that same day, the uh, Cincinnati has earned its playoff ticket with uh, w- with everything that was going uh, into that article and things that you highlighted in it was, was there a player that you thought stood out the most? If you were, you know, if you're going to give a, I know uh, Jerome Ford won, I think the MVP, uh, would you, you agree with that? What'd you, or could it have been Des Ritter? What, who stood out to you, I guess is what I'm trying to say uh, during that game on either side of the ball for the Bearcats or for the Cougars. Yeah, I mean, Jerome Ford, obviously, you know, to go up against a pretty good defense in, in Houston and to break off the runs that he did, you know, he clearly is a, is a next-level player, and that's always been evident every time I've I've seen him. And and then, of course, you know, Sauce Gardner, which, you know, you don't really notice until you're kind of watching the whole field, but opponents don't even look to throw his way. Like, like he's already cutting the field in half just by being there. And that allows him to sometimes get through on these cornerback blitzes because the quarter the quarterback is not even looking to his side. And I noticed Cincinnati did that a few times. Uh, so so he certainly stands out as well. And then, you know, when the, when the when the field was stormed and everything, I was actually around Gardner when that happened and everybody just wanted to get close to him and, you know, pat him on the back and stuff like that. So that was that was a very cool uh, moment. So for uh, any of the listeners that's not subscribed to The Athletic, uh, can you sort of tell them, are you, you said you're, you know, you're based out of Dallas. Are you focusing on uh, college football just in the state of, or in the state of Texas? Uh, What is your sort of focus for The Athletic? Yeah, I'm a national writer, so I cover across the whole country, but, but there's a big emphasis on the group of five as a whole. Uh, I've been doing that for this is my fifth season now. So it's a lot of covering teams that don't get enough national attention, I think. Um, you know, and, and so I, I really enjoyed doing that over the last few years. You know, when UCF made their runs, you know, Memphis a couple of years ago and now Cincinnati, I end up spending a lot of time around those teams, you know, when they uh, when they're winning. So so that's definitely been a lot of fun. And then we also have obviously, you know, everybody knows Justin Williams, who covers the Bearcats on a daily basis for us. So in this in this last article I mentioned, you uh, brought up the uh, press conference or the the video conference that you were on with uh, Gary Barta after the last was it the last rankings episode last season, and you were kind of pushing him to uh, tell you more about how a group of five team can get in and how you thought you were wrong. Uh, I mean, I think I would be in that same boat there with you. I was fortunate enough to attend the the conference championship game last year where there was only 6,000 fans. And I was in the front row with a corrupt football playoff uh, sign that I had made in the, you know, in the freezing cold. And I, I would say that I feel that I'm 
a little wrong now as well. Um, Coach Fickle in an interview said that they weren't trying to carry the flag for for the group of five or for you know for anyone else. Uh, is that? I mean, that's wouldn't you agree that it's probably a little more? It might not have been what you were focusing on, but that's that's what the the Bearcats have done this season. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand Luke Fickle not wanting to put that pressure on his guys, you know, for sure. And, and, and you know that that's a lot to carry. And I, I think in the middle of the season, everything did kind of weigh on them a bit. I, I do think the pressure was wearing them down a bit, but but they you know re- regrouped for the you know the final few games where they played really well. Um, and and yeah, like I, I let off on the story, you know. You know, to see Cincinnati be behind a three-loss Florida team last year, to see Coastal Carolina not even get a New Year's Six bid, um, that's why I asked Gary Barta last year after the final rankings came out, you know, if a Group 5 team could ever make it. And, and he said yes, and I said, how? And he pointed to BYU, a team that was supposed to play a bunch of Power 5 teams, but they're an independent, so right. it didn't quite fit that anyway. But so, so I, didn't think it was, I didn't think it was possible anymore. But, you know, when Cincinnati moved up to five in the polls, in the rankings this year, despite not playing well, that was the moment I realized that the committee does respect the Cincinnati team. And they were giving them some benefit of the doubt, in part because that Notre Dame win, you know, looked better as the season went on. And, I, you know, I, I didn't think they were going to get jumped, even if Oklahoma State had won. Uh, it, it, you know, that Big 12 championship because Cincinnati was already at number four um, and they were beating a top 25 team. They were undefeated. I didn't think it was going to change. It didn't matter in the end. Um, but yeah, a group of five team clearly got in. And I think that just it does give a lot of more teams hope. And I, you know, we'll see what happens in the game. If Cincinnati gets blown out, I'm sure some people will say they don't deserve a chance and other people will say, well, everybody gets blown out by Alabama in the semifinals, but it definitely gives you know more places hope and, and belief that it can be done, and uh, you know that 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 ceiling has been broken, and that's really important. Well, you kind of you that was a couple questions ahead uh, of what I have here, but you've you've already alluded to it a little bit. So, what do you think about a Cotton Bowl matchup uh, between Alabama and Cincinnati? Uh, I was kind of pulling for a Cincinnati-Michigan matchup myself. If the Bearcats could have beaten the Wolverines a year that the Buckeyes didn't, that would have been great for a lot of diehards like myself. But what are you, uh, what are you looking forward to in the Cotton Bowl matchup? What, what do you think uh, everyone, the nation, should be looking at? Well, I, I think it's probably the worst possible matchup for Cincinnati uh, of the other three teams. I also think um, Georgia is the worst possible matchup for – Michigan, so it was it was a pretty tough draw, but you were probably going to have to beat Alabama at some point anyway, so it, it's got to happen. Just Alabama, I, I, it's it's important that John Mechie is injured. At, you know, he's not going to play in the game. That's a big loss, especially important with Cincinnati and the cornerbacks that they have. Um, but can can they hold up with Alabama's speed across the board? Players like Will Anderson players like some of those other receivers and the defensive linemen. Um, th- this is a really athletic team. Um, and it's, and it's, it's a team that we saw against Georgia just air the ball out because they knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball as opposed to Georgia and Michigan, which I think, you know, do want to run the ball. Um, so since they certainly got a chance, 
I, I mean, the, we saw Alabama almost lose to LSU, almost lose to Florida, almost lose to Auburn. Uh, that offensive line has been really shaky. But that offensive line was out of nowhere tremendous against Georgia. So if that offensive line shows up, that's going to be a, that's going to be tough sledding. Now, if the the Alabama of kind of the middle of the season shows up, then maybe it's then then maybe it's a, a bit different. I think that's an important part of it. It's just kind of what Alabama looks like on, on the offensive line. I think I think that's you're right with with the the pressure that the Bearcats can can usually get to one of the quarterback with the you know guys like Myjay Sanders, Malik Van, and who shows up. I mean, I don't think is there anyone better than Bama than you know late season preparation. I don't I don't know if there if there is. So I think I think you're right. Uh, definitely something for for us Bearcats fans to uh, to look forward to here in just a couple of weeks now. Do you have um, a certain? Do you have an assignment yet for which bowl games you'll be covering? You said you have a more national uh, outlook on things. So where will you be during bowl season? Well, the only one I've confirmed for now is the Cotton Bowl. I mean, it's here in Dallas, so it's pretty easy for me to keep covering the Bearcats. Uh, there are a lot of bowl games around here in Dallas. There's the Armed Forces Bowl. There's the Frisco Bowl. There's the second Frisco Bowl. There's the First Responder Bowl. I don't know yet if I'm going to go to any of those. Um, I guess I need to figure that out. But uh, for sure right now, I'm definitely covering the, um, the Cotton Bowl. So that'll be a lot of fun absolutely i i uh wish i could be there with you i uh, i will not make the, the trek to dallas flight prices sort of uh got me out of that but i have reserved national championship tickets if we do end up making it past alabama indianapolis is a much uh you know closer drive for uh for cincinnati fans here let me uh let me ask you this chris uh with the coaching carousel that is non-stop and as I mean, every program is a stepping stone program. If you know you take anything away from this season, what do you think it means for? Uh, I guess before I ask you about Luke Fickle, I want you. To, I want to ask you about like situations like Oklahoma and and now um, Oregon. So what? What? How do you f- feel as though those uh, those situations make? Uh, how does? Do you see that as harmful to the sport of college football? Yeah, I think it's bad when Brian Kelly leaves a team that may, you know, that is on the verge of potentially making the playoff. I, I definitely think that's a bad thing. I think it's uh, a bad thing when he's leaving to join the SEC, which is only going to get even more loaded in, in pressure. It's just it's not feasible for that many teams to think they can win it all to be in one spot and that's when you get teams paying $18 million buyouts to coaches. And those are only going to go up and up and up moving forward. Um, so it, it, it's not good. I think it's, I do think it's good that Lincoln Riley went to USC because USC needs to be better because the PAC 12 needs to be better. And there needs to be more top teams out West just to kind of balance everything. But overall, you know, you put $10 million salaries now and all this stuff. It's, it's you know the the money is is gotten so big that it's led to a lot of changes because it's hard to defend amateurism anymore, which is totally fine. Um, but it's only you're only going to keep banging and banging on that door if you're going to keep paying coaches this much money, and if coaches are going to leave when they're leaving, um, you know it's 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 a, it's all bad for the players. So, the what will have more effect on 
the Bearcats program, going 13-0 and and making it to a college football playoff this season or being able to retain Coach Fickle after all the positions that were open? Um, did you say win the national championship or make the national championship? Just, I mean, just making the playoff. Oh, um, that's that's tough. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not really sure. I, I. I guess. I guess I'd say making the playoff because that was something we didn't know could ever be done, and that's going to impact so many other places. Uh, you know, to to know that they can do it now, it's going to help the group of fives bid to get you know spots in in the twelve team playoff. Uh, so I, I think Cincinnati overall making it is, is probably better. Um, you know, you, you can, you know, you can certainly find a coach who can win Cincinnati's won under a lot of different coaches, but I think making the playoff is something that nobody thought could be done. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Chris, I definitely want to be respectful of your time. I really only have a couple questions left for you. I, uh, non-football related, uh, after the game, on Saturday, you tweeted out that you were leaving Cincinnati the right way. You tweeted out a picture of what I'm going to assume was two cheese conies from Skyline. Is that correct? I, I didn't see any branding, so I'm assuming it was Skyline. It was not Skyline. I did oh. have Skyline. I did have Skyline the first time I uh, went up there, but this was Gold Star uh, in the airport. Okay. All right. I'm. I won't. I won't give you. Uh, I won't give you any shit for that. Some people might. But, uh, it's, it's. We'll. We'll go with it. So, is is the two cheese conies? Is that your go to order at your, at your Cincinnati chili spots now? Yes, I, I. I am from Detroit, which you know, where coney dogs are very much a thing, um, all across the whole state, really. So yeah, I went with the the the, the coney dog with the chili on it and the mountain of cheese and I'm a big fan. I, I, I know sometimes that stuff gets, gets uh, picked on a bit, but um, I've had now two different kinds of uh, chili, chili up there. And um, I, I, I am I'm certainly a big fan. All right. Very good here. So you were, you, you spent some time in Cincinnati. I'm going to assume maybe you, you spent, uh, you stayed downtown uh, and then came up to Clifton for the game. Uh, this is the Go Beer Cats podcast. Uh, and in Cincinnati, I don't know if you're aware, we have maybe like 63-ish, 60-plus craft breweries in the, in the greater Cincinnati area. Were you, do you partake, and uh, were you able to make it to any of those this trip? I did not. Um, I'm not a big craft beer person. I just kind of, you know, we'll just kind of drink whatever. Um, but I did make my way around uh, the Clifton area the first time. Uh, that's where I, that's where I got the skyline there. Okay. Uh, which I was told was the good one, and and also um, uh, the ice cream place. I forget what it's called. Graders. Yes, Graders. I also went there, so I, I tried to get some of the the local places that people told me I need to get to. All right. Well, it. Next time you come to Cincinnati, let's let's link up. I'll take you to a uh, brewery that you that you have to go to, and we'll see if we can't find something you like. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, Chris, I certainly appreciate it. Can you tell the listeners um, where they can find you on social media, or if they want to read your work, if they're not subscribed yet, how do they do that? Yeah, just uh, theathletic.com. We, we've got everything set up there. 
Uh, and I'm on Twitter at just at Chris Vanini. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give them a follow. Chris, I certainly appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Chris. Cool. All right, man. See you. See you. Certainly want to thank Chris for coming on the, the Go Beer Gats podcast, spending uh, some time with us here. I know he's a busy guy. I uh, definitely appreciate that. Hopefully you enjoy the interview. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the game, though. From you know, from my point of view, it was I had a, an absolute blast at Nipper Stadium for this back-to-back championship game that I've been lucky I was lucky enough to, to get to go to both of them this time I had uh, some of my good friends on hand I had my dad there with me uh, the vibe around campus when we got there was absolutely amazing uh, as much as there were great vibes for the UCF game and the SMU game uh, even the Miami game to kick the season off there's never been that much electricity in the air in Clifton for a football game that I've ever experienced. Uh, I rushed the field when we uh, guaranteed our, our Orange Bowl uh, appearance when I was a student uh, in 2008. Um, I, I've been to some some crazy games, some some field stormers, if you will, but but nothing like what you could just feel in the air that night uh, in Clifton. Uh, the tailgate with the den was amazing. People were so into the Oklahoma State Baylor game, and just as my dad and I were walking, or deciding to walk into the stadium, Baylor gets the stop that that we didn't get in 2009. Right? That could, could you compare that to the the field goal that that uh, that they made in 2009? The stop that the Bearcats needed. I don't. I think Oklahoma State would have jumped us with that with that win with that touchdown had Baylor not gotten the stop. No matter what happens uh, in in the near future, uh, the Baylor Bears are my Big Twelve football team that's not named Cincinnati. I will I will root for them from now on uh, as long as they're not playing the Bearcats. They they can officially my my second favorite team in the Big Twelve. Uh, that once that happened, people went nuts. Uh, you could, you could hear the reaction in the stadium. You could hear the reaction on the grid and you just knew from, it was going to be a good night from, from there on out. Um, I I tried to take notes, uh, throughout the game. Um, still it was party mode from, from start to finish, uh, Service in Nippert still sucks. I, I couldn't tweet during the games. I, I've complained about that before, and people have just told me to shut up and watch the game. Um, but with all the TV timeouts and and all the stops in football, there's plenty of time to check your phone and, and send off a tweet if you if you had service. Uh, but we don't have that yet in Nippert. Uh, maybe we can get someone on the fan council to uh, to set up some some better Wi-Fi there or something going forward. Uh, but you know, some of the notes that I took that I just thought Dez was surgical the entire game. That first possession, especially when Houston came out on fire and it was seemed like we were just trading score for score. Dez was on point. Uh, receivers were on point. 
it was uh it was a heck of a game for Dez all around. Uh, Ford, just uh, unbelievable. Jerome Ford GT kicked it into high gear. Multiple runs of 70-plus yards. Uh, the American Athletic Championship game MVP. Uh, I, you know, I can't argue with anyone on that. Uh, the, the, the corner blitz from, from Sauce, if you watch highlights from that, he was running so hard. I, I wish I, there was someone who's better at the internet than me that could make an edit of just the entire stadium shaking with every stomp that he's taking to the quarterback. And then he just lights them up. Uh, that would, that would be a great edit in my opinion, because it, you could just, as you watch that highlight, you can just feel the the stomps like Godzilla running down the streets of Japan uh, or Tokyo or something. And just waxes the quarterback. Uh, I, I wish I, I could watch that replay all day. If if I had one complaint about the game or even the game plan is that you know that the the return guy for Houston, Marcus Jones, he was he's hell of an athlete. He's the he's the guy that won him the game against SMU on the on the uh, kickoff return in the fourth quarter. Took it to the house. He's deadly. He's he's their, uh, a big weapon. He he's no match for Alec Pierce. Uh, but at least on the kickoff game, he's a giant weapon that the the Cougars had, and we kicked it to him every single time. No fear, just kicked it straight to him. Didn't try to kick it to anyone else. I, I, that made me nervous uh, for a little while. I mean, he, he had a couple nice returns, nothing uh, crazy, nothing. Obviously, didn't take it to any to the house, but uh, kicking it to him, I thought was that was a potential on on every kickoff, but. Bearcats special teams took care of business good enough, I guess, to where, uh, you know, they took him out of the game, uh, essentially. And then, I mean, maybe he's just demoralized because Alec Pierce had his way with him all night, uh, making great, you know, great catches time and time again. He's supposed to be their, you know, their their number one cornerback. Uh, that's back-to-back games where Alec Pierce just embarrassed and, and worked the other team's supposed star cornerback. You don't see that happening when with Sauce though, right? The, the wide wide receiver one for the other team never gets one over on Sauce like Alec Pierce does uh, on the other team. So kudos to to Pierce. I thought he had a great game as well. Pump it up. Didn't get played nearly enough. Once the fans rushed the field and it was over and the Cougars had been just demolished, they uh, I was waiting for Pump It Up to come on and just see the celebration on the field with the song. I didn't get to see it. My dad and I stuck around for a little while. We watched the trophy presentation uh, uh, to Fickle and, and everything. We watched the confetti fly and and let them, you know, watch them hand out the hardware. But overall night, I'm, I'm still excited talking about it. The, that uh, was only topped, really. I don't even know if you could say topped because everyone knew with Oklahoma State losing, there was no way that there was any buffoonery that could have went on with any other team jumping the Bearcats in the top four. You knew that sealed the deal going into it, thanks to Baylor. And... We didn't even need to see the the selection show on Sunday at noon. We knew 
it was it was a lock. The only thing we needed to know was were we going to play Alabama or were we going to play Michigan. Turns out we're going to play Alabama in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. I love it. Uh, as Ric Flair says, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And for a decade plus, Alabama has been the man. So let the Bearcats dethrone the establishment of college football that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. I can't wait for the game. I have a another interview set up that I'll release on, on an upcoming podcast with a guy who covers Alabama. He's actually on – he does sports radio uh, somewhere in Tuscaloosa. I'll, I'll give you more details on that. That will be coming up uh, maybe not next week but the week after and uh, should be a good time. Certainly like to give you guys previews of, of the games. I don't watch a whole lot of Alabama football. I, I, I hear them get talked about all the time on, on SportsCenter and – and any other talking head that's talking about college football as I'm trying to consume, you know, Bearcats information. Uh, you know, everyone talks about Alabama because they are the the establishment, the powerhouse. So uh, this guy certainly knows the stuff. We'll bring him on in a couple of weeks, and, and it'll be a good interview. And we'll get acquainted a little better with, with uh, Nick Saban's uh, football team this year and what the Bearcats can do to to overcome the, the Goliath, if you will, and uh, – see if we can't make a Cinderella type of run of one game into the national championship game, hopefully against Michigan. That's who I'm rooting for in the Orange Bowl over Georgia, even though beating Georgia would be nice for the national championship. Uh, Get a little revenge on them from the Peach Bowl. Give me either team. It doesn't matter. We're beating Alabama. Get Michigan. If we could beat them, the – the year that the, the Buckeyes don't, it would be a sweet joy to me. I would never let any of my Ohio State fans, uh, friends live that down. And trust me, being from Chillicothe originally, I have nothing but Ohio State fans back home. Uh, they certainly would – they can throw out scores of games of previous years all they want. They would never live that down. So that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, that's what I am – that's what I'm almost certain will happen at this point. So hats off to everyone going down to Dallas. I tried to make it happen the the Sunday, uh, hours after it became official. Tried to, uh, I don't know, weasel my way into getting to Dallas. I don't think logistically it's going to be possible. Uh, I do have my tickets reserved for the national championship game through UC. So I will be making the trek to Indianapolis once we get, once we uh, make that official, and January tenth will be just a big as, of a celebration, if not the biggest in uh, in Cincinnati uh, football history. Maybe maybe in the city, who knows? It's been a while since we had a uh, a championship type of party in, in the Queen City, so I think that could certainly uh, be on the horizon here for us. For those of you not going to Dallas and you're in, in Cincinnati or if you're local, uh, I'm kind of trying to work on a, a watch party if you guys might be interested in, uh, in you know watching the game with some like-minded people. I don't know if that'll pan out since uh, you know it is New Year's Eve, bars and breweries are you know they have like ticketed events for, for usually on that day. It is at 3:30, so I might be able to work something out. Details on that um, later, if, if it does pan out, we'll see. I'll certainly 
you know, use all social media to get the word out on that. If, if we're going to, if go beer catch is going to organize a watch party or not. There's probably a million things I could talk to, to you guys about, whether it be the, the game against Houston, the Bearcats making it into the CFP. What we all, we've, we've probably heard so much information about that by now. Uh, I, I'm, I don't want to uh, dilute the waters. I don't want to, you know, rehash things that you guys have already consumed elsewhere. Uh, I, I'm still in, in disbelief. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I, I'm ready for the. I'm ready to shut the world up. All, all the trolls on Twitter. I'm ready for the Bearcats to to emerge victorious uh, against the Bama Crimson Tide. Let's. Let's halt football talk for now. Like I said, I got some interviews lined up for you for the podcast. We'll, we'll get to that later. But this Saturday, I would be, I would not be worth, it would not even be worth picking up the microphone tonight if I was not going to talk a little bit about the Crosstown shootout that is this Saturday at Xavier. Uh, I might have a special guest lined up for you next week to uh, to sort of recap the game and, and talk to you about it. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition as well. Uh, certainly will will be a, a great conversation if it does. Uh, working on getting a, a former player back on the podcast. But Xavier, uh, they've already beaten Ohio State this year. They're 8-1, and one, I do believe. Uh, they feel like they're the real deal. I don't I've I don't watch Xavier basketball except for one game a year, the game that I'm about to watch this Saturday. A lot of familiar names I feel on the on the uh on the roster, um Scruggs being uh the number one, you know, name I, I recognize right away. Uh they still got the same coach. He's the s- second most winningest coach under 40 years old in, in college. Uh, basketball. He's not number one. Number one uh, is a guy you might know. His name's Wes Miller. Uh, ESPN likes Xavier a lot in this game. Uh, the matchup predictor, which I never give a lot, put a lot of stock into, uh, says Xavier eighty uh, percent, uh, you know, uh, chance to win the game. Obviously, uh, they're favored there. Uh, I, I like the stock that Wes Miller comes from. He's not. He's already. If you've listened to press conferences or interviews with him this week, he's not shied away from the game. Uh, he's he knows it's a rivalry game. It's he's going to learn real quick what it's about as it's uh, you know in uh, the Centos Center this year. Eight thirty p.m. tip off. That's that's very late. Uh, I'll be watching the game at Eli's in. Mason by Kings Island there. Uh, so we will we'll, we'll see if uh, Eli can bring us some, some luck as, as the Bearcats take on Xavier. Uh, just looking at their schedule so far this year, um, like I said, they're 8-1. They've already beaten Ohio State. Uh, who knows? I mean, they were ranked 19 at the, t- at the time. They have wins over Oklahoma State, Virginia Tech. They did lose to Iowa State. That's their sole loss. Uh, and their last game was last night, Wednesday, against Ball State, a 96-50 to victory. So they are, uh, at least for the, the first part of the season here, seem to be a decent team. Uh, 
Well, that, I mean, the Crosstown shootout, at least in the past, I don't know, 10, 12 years, it seems like one team comes very well prepared and the other team does not. And there seems like it's always a lopsided victory. We know the Bearcats were on a, on a two-game skid. Coach, the previous coach, going 0-2 in his stint here in as uh, the head basketball coach at Cincinnati. 2018 is the last time the Bearcats have beaten Xavier. Again, it was a 62-47 win. The year after that in 2019, 73-66. Last year, kind of close, 77-69. It always seems like it's lopsided, though. It's not never a uh, – doesn't seem – when's the last time we had a, a – you know, like a, a one or two point game. I don't, I certainly don't remember it. Probably 2000, 2006, no, 2009, double overtime at the Centos Center. Xavier emerged victorious, uh, 83-79. Since then, nothing very close. So which team are we going to see come out at the Centos Center against against the Musketeers? Are we going to see the team that we saw against Illinois who played hard, who made shots, who didn't get out-rebounded? Uh, or are we going to see the team that, uh, that we saw lose to Monmouth who got out-rebounded, uh, who shot like they were uh, the third-grade girls' school for the blind? Uh, who... Which team shows up? Which team's ready to play? Which you know? Which hat are the Bearcats wearing this this game? We'll know more next week, uh, or we'll know more this Saturday, I should say. We'll break it down next week with our special guest. Uh, it, the the Crosstown Shootout always gives you weird vibes. Is it a game that you don't want to lose, or is it a game that you want to win? Uh, I don't know. You guys might feel a little differently uh, about it than I do. I've definitely heard people say it's a game that they don't want to lose more than a game that they want to win. Can we change that? Can Wes Miller bring something different to the rivalry? Uh, and can he get started off on the right foot against Xavier? We'll see as the Bearcats try to try to move up to 9-2 and two on the season. We'll see. I'm done talking about it. I'm going to finish this beer and have another. I'll talk to you guys next week. Cheers and go Bearcats.